Welcome to CTO Confessions with TC Gill. Brought to you by IT Labs. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. This episode of CTO Confessions is brought to you by the one and only IT Labs, providing technology leaders with purpose-driven development teams for high-performance, innovation and productivity. What more could you want? Please think of us like tech leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing quality, high-performing teams off that shelf. And your host today is me, TC Gill, IT Labs Chief Talking Officer, and I'm speaking from London, UK. And in this episode, we're talking to a procurement warrior, our guest, Andrew Wood, the Vice President of IT Sourcing at Proxima, shows us under the cover of the procurement world that can serve CTOs, CIOs and other related tech leadership positions. So let's not delay. Let's get Andrew into the space to share his enlightening stories and knowledge. Welcome, Andrew. Welcome to CTO Confessions podcast. Good to be here. Thank you for asking me. Brilliant. And tell the audience what you do. Okay. I am a technology procurement specialist. I'll probably expand on that because um, it's a grand title, isn't it? Technology procurement specialist. Um, I assist clients on behalf of Proxima with their technology procurement needs. Um, and technology procurement needs means that I can support a broad range of technology subcategories, which range from networking, telco type requirements, uh, wide area networks, network transformation. Um, it could be that it's a HR um, solution transformation. They might have um, certain, you know, HR technology components in place. They might want to move to a new um, HR solution, displacing a number of disparate solu- um, solutions. Um, just quoting those as examples. It could be that a client wants support with a technology enterprise contract renewal. You know, for instance, um, Microsoft Enterprise Agreement renewals, uh, SAP, Oracle, Salesforce, etc. So that's what me and others like me at Proxima um, do to assist our clients. There. So that's what I do. I'm a technology um, procurement specialist. I need to I need to caveat this. I'm not a technology SME. I work with technology SMEs. My value is um, technology procurement, and usually we get great outcomes when we work alongside technology SMEs and right. combine our you know leverage our combined experience and um, get good outcomes based on that combined approach. Brilliant. It, it kind of feels like you've got to got the bigger picture, you know? So for example, there's all these technology leads and you've got to got the, uh, the wider view as to the, the options that people have and, um, and kind of facilitating, bringing them into the kind of work that's needed in organizations. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. Um, I think one thing that Proxima have got, you, you called it the wider view, um, because we we solve similar problems across multiple clients, mm. we can bring all of that expertise and that experience to a client's a particular environment, a particular requirement. So yeah, I think our window is much wider than a single client's own lens on what yes. they're trying to do. So yeah, we've got um, we've got that sort of visibility. Uh, based on our multiple client engagements, to be able to leverage that knowledge, to um, to to you know to help the clients avoid 
um, you know, any roadblocks that they might encounter or any, mm. you know, any potential um, mistakes that might, might be made. We can sort of advise them um, on what good looks like. So Brilliant. I love that. Yeah, it's this kind of a cross-pollination and a wider wisdom. I call it wisdom, maybe, you know, kind of knowing what where not to go and where to go kind of thing. And what's your kind of typical clients? I mean, what uh, what's the kind of enterprises you work with? Wow, yeah. I mean, the the variety of clients that we support, it's, it's quite wide-ranging. Um, we're typically dealing with sort of Fortune 500 large enterprise clients, um, I'm not going to name any of them on this call, okay. but we've got um, blue chip client relationships, um, existing client relationships, prior client client relationships, and a strong pipeline of client relationships as well. Um, in, in you know across different sectors, um, we've got uh, public sector clients, uh, private sector clients, and within the private sector, financial services, manufacturing, retail, uh, pharmaceutical. Um, so we touch many different sectors and yeah, we, we get great experience in dealing with um, a good cross section of um, clients. And, and from these kind of large organisations, you know, as we mentioned before on the CTO Confessions, you know, all organisations are embedded into the digital world. You know, they're kind of, they, they are in that fabric and, and not only are businesses in there, but the different aspects of a business, you know, for example, marketing, uh, operations, you know, um, HR um they're, they're all intertwined as well they're not kind of separate they're not completely separate systems or at least in my, in my view they shouldn't be um i take i take it the kind of solutions that you provide is looking to looking at the whole whole picture to make sure that the organization is kind of uh, the fabric of the organization is kind of interworking as well we do um what one of our entry points with clients is what we call um an opportunity assessment and as part of that opportunity assessment, it's a fairly simple process, actually, but the benefits from it are, are quite significant. And to your point, what we do as part of that process is look at the IT landscape at a client. Um, and when I want to say IT client landscape, it's pulling in different data points. And some of the data points are quite rudimentary. So we'll look at, um, you know, budget files, We'll look at um, we'll look at you know, invoice data. The invoice data will give you historic um, view on what's been happening. The budget mm-hmm. data will give you a forward view on what the plans are. We'll we'll look at uh, if they're available. Um, the IT strategy um, in in whatever way it's published or whatever way it's available. Um, we'll do stakeholder interviews. We'll speak with CIOs and the CIO direct reports and their teams, just so we can get that input into it as well. But yeah, to your point, exactly, yeah, we will look at um, what's going on at a client across the board, across all of their activities. And it's important to do that so that you can look at it in the round. Um, And that process that I've just mentioned, you know, a lot of data inputs and um, what we tend to do is to then make observations and then enter into a feedback session with some recommendations about how things could be done more efficiently or differently in order to um, pass back uh, benefit to the client. And as I say, it's a really simple process, a relatively simple process, but the output from it uh, can be quite significant. But yeah, to your point, definitely we'd look across the board at uh, all aspects of the IT landscape. Yeah. Yeah. And I, 
being uh, in the tech space for a while now and, and working with organizations, um, you know, the procurement normally kind of stays within organizations. So um, I've got a kind of curiosity question here is what, so what, what's the thing that you do differently uh, to the kind of internal procurement kind of uh, departments that organizations already have? Yeah, so um, you're right. Typically, clients will have an existing uh, procurement capability. However, um, there are different circumstances that might prevail, which would then trigger a demand for the types of services that Proxima offer. Mm. Um, if I use a Proxima term, just to, to, to illustrate an example, there might be a, a, a surge a surge requirement. So, you know, IT technology requirements, it's not an even distribution over the year, right? Um, It may be that in in certain periods that there's more activity compared to other periods. Now, when there's a surge activity, um, clients will clearly have limited resources and decisions need to be made around uh, resource allocation. Um, And, you know, when I say resource allocation, who's going to focus on what I've called BAU activity, who would, co- who would focus on project, active, project activity, and usually I guess it's project activity that causes the surge. So where there's a surge in demand, then um, that could trigger a conversation with Proxima, because clearly we've got resources and capability to help with that. Mm. Um, so that, that's, one, that's one potential um, trigger alongside a client's internal resources. Um, It also might be that a client's internal resources have expertise in certain things, but perhaps not so much expertise in other things. Now, clearly, Proxima, uh, and if I I, uh, use the Proxima technology community of practice as an example, we've got multiple people with a pretty broad range of experience in technology procurement. So we can um, offer expertise to cover a gap in expertise that might be evident within a client's uh, environment. Um, I I guess another example would be that it's quite volatile right now in terms of resourcing and people are moving around and uh, getting people uh, backfilled isn't easy. And Mm. that could be another trigger for for demand with Proxima. But um, we work right alongside client uh, internal teams. Uh, We're accustomed to do that uh, in doing that. you know, we're, we're very familiar with doing that. And um, knowledge transfer is, is really important as well. It's not as if we come in um, and we're in an island of uh, resource. We will make sure that we we um, do it in a way which uh, covers any skills gaps or any knowledge gaps. And uh, we can cater for things like knowledge transfer and stuff like that. Brilliant. I love it. I, I, this kind of world of procurement is, is, is quite... Um... I wouldn't say it's alien to me, but it's not one I kind of reside in. And I guess there's a lot of kind of tech, tech leaders and general leaders as well that um, see this, you know, uh, this kind of um, art, you know, of procuring uh, uh, something that happens over there or that they don't take much attention to it. I've got something in my notes around um, two types of procurement, uh, indirect and direct. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, yeah. Um... Andy Wood's definition of direct and um, indirect procurement. So direct procurement is what I would describe as those items, um, goods or services that are directly associated to the things that a company supplies. 
um, examples, electronic components in a laptop, mm. um, ingredients in food products. Um, it might be goods for resale in a retail environment. Um, these are all examples um, in my definition of direct procurement. Those items, goods or services that are directly um, associated to the goods or services that a company will um, supply. Um, on the flip side, indirect procurement, these are goods or services uh, which are required to operate the business. Um, mm. So indirect requirements, which are required to operate the business. And these include things like um, you know, technology, um, all of those laptops that you would need uh, for employees to use to be productive. Um, it could be professional services, um, accounting uh, services, for instance. It could be facilities um, and all of those periphery things that are involved with facilities, uh, marketing services. So that for me is, um, you know, a short uh, Andy Wood version of the definition of direct procurement and cool. uh, in, indirect procurement. Excellent. Love it. And uh, I'm, I'm learning loads here. I'm going to be a procurement expert by the time we finish this podcast. Um, and, and one of the things that obviously from a procurement and bringing in experts like yourself, because um, I imagine procurement can send uh, the bottom line of an organization in the wrong way, you know, because costs can be quite high. Uh, I, I mean, I imagine there's kind of quite a large um, cost savings in getting this right, you know, and also having that kind of expertise to get it right. Yeah. Um, so the upside, like you say, uh, to stick with that terminology of getting it right is um, is significant. Um, procurement services, procurement organisations, quality procurement organisations can have a significant positive impact on EBITDA, on profitability. Um, I think, yeah, if, if you if you do it right, um, if you can get a great outcome, then a great outcome, in my opinion, is what I would call a sustainable outcome. I think procurement um, has been unfairly labeled with a short-term focus, um, maybe mm. in the past, um, not now. That's not the way um, it happens uh, today and, and moving forward. Uh, our, our focus now, as, as, as you know, all, all of the professionals involved in procurement, a good outcome is what I would consider to be a sustainable outcome, one that delivers value over a period of time. I think procurement teams have been unfairly criticised in the past about maybe having a short-term focus, mm -hmm. but I think everybody who's involved in the profession today um, is pretty much focused on delivering uh, sustainable outcomes, ones to have a long-lasting positive impact for their business, yeah. Fantastic. I love it. And now kind of looking at organizations and the different roles they have there, I can imagine there's different types of leaders within organizations kind of interested with their own particular lens on what procurement can give them. Can we speak around that? Because I mean, as a, as a CTO, for example, let's say for example, I was a CTO, what's the kind of thing that uh, procurement would help me with? Yeah, let's start with a CTO or, or, or a CIO. Um, CIO or CTOs are under pressure to review their budgets they're under it's a constant unrelenting um challenge that ctos and cios have is to manage their budget effectively mm -hmm. and a cfo would place that healthy 
uh, dynamic or that healthy challenge onto a CIO and CTO, CIO um, in order to look at the budget forecast and to manage it as effectively as possible. And, and, fr and from the other direction, CIO and CTO, they want to invest in technology uh, and therefore that means there's pressure on, on a budget. So that sort of dynamic is going on. So a procurement team, uh, procurement specialists, they can help effectively manage um, a technology budget so that um, positive impact can be made to give the opportunity to invest uh, with that um, be benefit that's been identified into other initiatives, whether they be projects or uh, enterprise tools, et cetera, et cetera. So, so a procurement team can help positively manage um, a technology budget and you know, cost management and cost control and create opportunities for potential reinvestment of available um, savings back into other initiatives. Yeah, sounds fascinating. So is this an exciting space to be in? Or is it, I mean, I mean what does it feel like to be a, a kind of procurement specialist? It, it is an exciting space to be in. Um, I think people say to me sometimes, how did you end up in procurement, <laughs> yeah. right? When you say end up, it sort of conjures up a, um, an image of somewhere where you're not meant to be. Um, I'm exactly where I want to be in procurement. Right. I've been in procurement for a long time. I think other than a four-year period where I did step outside of procurement into customer-facing roles, I actually um, supported uh, business development, client account uh, director roles, and at one point, um, a global sales role as well. Um, I'm one of these rare people who's gamekeeper term poacher, poacher term gamekeeper. I've right. actually, I've actually sort of uh, worn those shoes in terms of being um, in in the position of a, of a sales manager, a global sales manager. And I think now that I've returned to procurement, um, I do feel stronger having benefited from that experience. But yeah, to answer your question, is it exciting to be in procurement? It is. I'm exactly in the place I want to be in. And why do I want to be here? Um, I think there's probably a couple of reasons for that. In technology procurement, which is particularly the space that I support, it's the pace of change is unrelenting, <laughs> right? So it's not as if five years ago, whatever you were doing then, you're doing the same thing today. That's not the case. Yes. So because of the pace of change, you encounter new situations and um, new technology procurement initiatives on a fairly regular basis. That's one thing, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is um, I'm actually fascinated by the people dimension. Put technology to one side, you know, which has all of its complexities and all of its challenges. Um, another part of it which fascinates me is the people side of it. I really enjoy interaction with all of those folks who are engaged in in the technology space, um, you know, clients, technology leaders, clients, uh, um, procurement people involved in technology, all of the other surrounding functions, which uh, clearly play an important part as well. Uh, the finance teams, the risk management teams, et cetera, et cetera. The people dimension to me is probably the other thing I'd call out as being something which is what, you know, why am I here? 
Am I excited to be here? Yes, I am excited to be here. I'm not planning to go anywhere else soon. Um, it's it's a place that I want to be. So uh, yeah, when people say to me, "How did you end up in procurement?" You know, it's it's not as I'm not ended up here. It's where I want to be. I'm exactly in the place where I want to be. Right. Brilliant. I love it. I love that. I love where people kind of find their kind of. Uh, I, I've got to call it their happy place. You know, kind of like they, yeah. they, they they come to life and they kind of love the passion around that. How do you roll as a leader? And what's your kind of style then? You, you kind of talked about kind of coming with a mutual uh, an outcome that's good for everybody. Um, how do you kind of bring that about? Right, style. Um, when I lead teams, how would I describe my style? I think one thing that I am, and I think, you know, you, you talk about yourself and obviously proof of it is when you speak to other people, but yeah. one thing that I would say about me is that I'm approachable. And I think that's a really important quality because when you're when you're working with a team, I always encourage people, no matter how trivial the question is, if it's something that they're individually wrestling with, then don't hesitate to reach out. There is no bigger fool than someone who doesn't ask a question, in my opinion. So, so what I'd like to say I'm approachable, I encourage people to ask questions, no matter how trivial they are, because the answer to it therefore makes their life easier in the way that they operate. Um, I also, I would say that another feature of me is uh, a light touch management style. I'm not one of those people who's gonna look over somebody's shoulder um, 24 seven. I like to give people the opportunity to do a job, uh, but at the same time remain available so that um, support is available to help them when they need it. Um, I also encourage people to work at a very high standard as well. Um, I'm going to do a plug for Proxima here because Proxima has good people. And when you have good people, it causes you to raise your game. It's just a natural dynamic, right? Um, when you see how people operate across the team, you can see that people are posting good performance and therefore it encourages you to do the same. Um, when I say that, by the way, I don't want to make out that it's an adversarial environment at all. It's not, it's Mm -hmm. just, um, a positive, um, performance dynamic. And I think people who want to work in that environment, it works out well. Um, so I, you know, give people a platform in order to develop and, you know, perform at a high level. I think sort of the last thing I'm going on a bit on this one, but a last thing is um, really setting a standard so that people produce quality outcomes as well. You know, bulletproof analysis, polished deliverables, quality outputs. It's really important. It's a differentiator. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, just making sure that you know people operated of certain standards. So uh, that's I guess a little bit about me in terms of yeah, my that's, le- leadership that's style. I love the idea of kind of creating a, a um, you know, a culture, a space where everybody's kind of delivering quality and, and that, that kind of has an incremental upping of everybody's game, you know, because I know what that feels like, you know, when uh, when you see somebody who knocks something out of the park, you think, oh, you know. Yeah, it, it really does. It's, it's positive. I mean, you know, you can work on a, on a deliverable and think it's a quality deliverable. And then perhaps you look at um, what someone else has done and think, whoa, that's... Um, you know, that's a step change. That's um, they've really uh, yes gone that extra sort of mile to um, to, to do some. But yeah, that, that's the type of dynamic that I'm talking about. It's a, a positive performance dynamic. Yeah, love it. That's brilliant. And then talking about your teams, you kind of mentioned here about communication being a really important aspect of uh, you know uh, your leadership and the work that you do. I mean, are there any other kind of tips you have for for the tech leaders and and, and other leaders, aspiring leaders out there around creating? the best teams around them to kind of deliver 
um, great productivity and performance. Tips for people out there. I think, you know, what I'm talking about, you asked me what my style is. And this is what's fascinating for me because people come in all shapes and sizes and people have different uh, ways of go about going over the, going about their business. I don't think there's one single answer here. Um, I think for me, it's unlocking potential in two things, actually. One is in the people that you have. Tapping into that potential, unlocking that potential and making sure that you get the best out of people. Um, but, you know, this is, this is a discussion around technology procurement. And therefore, the same is true for business partners or suppliers. Let me just pause on that a minute. I said business partners. And for me, I like to use that terminology rather than supplier or vendor. Um, I think vendor and supplier are legacy references. If you think about the percentage of spend that organizations have with third parties, it represents a significant percentage of their overall revenues. Right. They cannot do business without the support of their business partners. And that's the phrase that I'm going to use during this call as business partners. But yeah, you asked me the question, the direct question, what advice and tips can I give to aspiring technology managers in whatever role that they have? I would encourage people to unlock the potential of their business partners. They are expert in what they do. You have to tap into their expertise and work with them to jointly achieve innovation. Um, you know, typically, by the way, let me mention this. Typically, procurement people and all of those people involved in contract negotiations do really well to lock in good benefits within contracts. Yes. However, however, it is not uncommon for those contracts once signed not to be managed effectively. So all of those good things that were locked in day one you know, it's important to work with your business partners to make sure that all of those good things that you both signed up to are delivered during the term of the contract. And the reason why I'm talking about that is that typically continuous improvement or innovation, they are some of the things that can get locked into contracts, which are good things. Yeah. And clients in the technology space particularly should be working collaboratively with their business partners to unlock all of that innovation, all of that continuous improvement. So that's another thing I'd say is um, to aspiring people within the technology space, whether they're CIOs, CIO direct, direct reports, managers in the IT department, or, or any of the procurement people or supporting functions, definitely tap into uh, your business partners' contribution to your business. There's such a big percentage of it, right? Yeah, I love yeah. this. This is a really good kind of perspective on on getting that right. Again, it kind of speaks to that kind of business agility piece where, you know, it, it's about relationships. Um, you, you, you are kind of walking this uh, this uh, path together and it's good to have that ability to to share where you're going, what, what what's working, what's not maybe. And actually on the kind of subject of agility, because obviously, well, I imagine procurement kind of um, makes a kind of proper, you know, you make a proposition, this is where we're going to go. But then as you start to kind of do something, the, the landscape changes or something emerges that you didn't realise. So is there a kind of agility in this kind of procurement space well to say, look, you know what, we've got new information here. We need to make a different decision. There is. You know, you've hit the nail on the head. When you design um, 
a procurement plan or a procurement strategy, which is done at a point in time, using good data at that point and information at that point in time. As you then go down that path, then you will encounter different challenges or changes or, or things, you know, in the macro sort of level in the market uh, or, or the economy, which will cause you to take on board that new information and adjust your strategy. That is absolutely a common occurrence, no doubt about it. Um, you know, procurement plans and processes can be as thick and as thin or as long or as short as is appropriate for a client's particular requirement. But let's just take one which has a medium term uh, tenure or, or, or passage of time. Um, as you travel through it, absolutely, there will be things that sort of uh, happen that manifest themselves, which will cause you to adjust and to um, incorporate that new information to make sure that the outcome, I talked about it earlier, the outcome that you get to is a good outcome for the business and the business partner. Um, and it um, is a sustainable outcome for the future. Brilliant. Love it. Excellent. So Andy, let's talk about the big elephant in the room in the shape of a COVID virus. Okay. It's impacted everybody. I can imagine it's impacted the kind of procurement world, the work, the work that you do, the teams that you work with. Um, how, how has it impacted? It slowed everything down? Has it speeded things up or is it, what's it done? It's caused, it's caused procurement professionals to, to adapt and work in a way that supports the same outcome that you would need to get pre-COVID. Um, by the way, we talk about COVID. I think the thing I'm talking about now as well is um, aftershocks, because let's say COVID was the earthquake, right? And that caused us to, to work in a certain way. We're all now encountering what I would call the aftershocks in terms of, um, you know, what's going on in the labor market, what's going on in the supply chain in terms of shortages and um, price pressure, et cetera, et cetera. These are what I would call the aftershocks. But to answer your question directly, COVID times and impact within the procurement community, um, we had to adapt and it did cause overhead in terms of the way that you went about your business. And um, for instance, what I mean by overhead is that you would need to organize a pre-meet even before the meet to make sure that you were organized in order to have an effective meeting. Um, you would do the meeting and then after the meeting, you would then do post meetings and within the procurement service provision world, that meant two meetings. That meant one with your own team to reflect on how you thought that went and what follow-ups were necessary and what did we achieve. And it would also mean a follow-up meeting with the client to do exactly the same thing. Did that satisfy um, the objective of what we were meant to be? So in terms of COVID times, one, we had to adapt and um, yeah, that's exactly what I mean by adapting. It did introduce an overhead. Um, I think people, because everyone was working remotely, you were uber available. You were there. Mm -hmm. You were, you know, you yeah. weren't traveling, right? You went on an airplane or a train or in a car, etc. You were at your desk, um, not, you know, in close proximity to your laptop and therefore in close proximity to a Teams meeting, a Zoom meeting, etc., etc. So, um, yeah, there was an adaption. And that's an example, the process I've just described of how we adapted in order yes. to make sure that we still delivered the same outcome that you would have got pre-COVID uh, in the normal way of working. Yeah, that's great. And I also imagine as the world kind of shifted from this uh, mostly working in buildings and offices, 
um, to uh, to remote working. There was a, there was a kind of shockwave using the word to use of of digital transformation where work environments had to suddenly become super digital, you know, kind of thing. There was um, COVID was a catalyst for digital, right? It's um, digital transformation and the deployment of digital solutions was accelerated as a result of COVID, no doubt about it. That was certainly one of the things that was um, changed, impacted positively, by the way, um, as a result of COVID. Um, clients were, you know, faster, uh, maybe pulling forward plans that they probably had pre-COVID, and this was all accelerated as a result of COVID. Um, in order to have more agile ways of working, to increase automation, uh, to make things more slicker uh, in the term in, in the way they go, go about their business. So yeah, absolutely. As a procurement specialist and, and in the space you're in, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that concern you and kind of uh, you, you get challenged with? Yeah, do you know, that, that, this is a really good question. What does keep me up at night? Because um, I think for me, it's how the team that we have can keep up with one of the biggest challenges in the technology space, which is what I call knowledge currency. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I think we might have spoken about this previously. I'm not quite sure, and apologies if we have, but um, it's what I call knowledge currency. Uh, the pace of change in the technology space is rapid. And the, the example that I would quote here to illustrate what I mean is you can support a project. And when you're supporting a project, you are hot on that topic. You're in the moment, um, you're supporting the project, you've got all of the data, all of the knowledge. Every day, once that project is completed, that you move away from that project, the shelf life of your knowledge diminishes. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by knowledge currency is staying current with all of the developments within the technology space. And knowledge currency in the service that I provide, the Proxima provide, is so important so that we can stay relevant with our clients. Yes. Um, and and this, this is probably the biggest thing that keeps me awake at night is knowledge currency, because yeah. it's a challenge. That's no right. one person can say that they are knowledgeable in all subcategories at the same time, all of the time. And this is one of the benefits of Proxima have because we've got multiple people like me um, we've got a fairly broad range of experience across all subcategories. It's one of the value adds that we can promote to clients. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, like I say, it's really, really important to uh, stay current with your technology knowledge. Um, yes. I mean, you only have to look at um, the likes of Microsoft to keep us on our toes with regular licensing <laughs> changes and yes. regular yes. commercial model changes. And yes. um, that's why things like boot camps um, are available for us to all tap into and understand everything that's going on so we yeah. can effectively support things like enterprise agreement renewals etc that's just one example by the way yeah and i think this is a great example for for leaders it's just in general that have to have that kind of knowledge uh you know coming towards them they're knowing of what the market is where things are going so they can make informed decisions is that what are the things you put in place to make sure that you are standing on you know relevant ground to make a decision kind of thing you know yeah, I think um, what, what, what we do is that um, what one resource clearly is our client interaction when you're dealing with multiple clients. And, and this is why the community of practice occurs within Proxima. We bring together in that um, 
event we have these regular events and um we share knowledge mm. um, and it's, it's this it's this aggregation of knowledge which is a differentiator for us right um mm. so, so we, we bring that knowledge in from our um our client engagements and aggregate that knowledge we also subscribe to independent research service providers as well as we all do um and we tap into the independent research input um i'm not going to name um any 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 of those people but all of the usual suspects right um and, and we attend uh, industry events as well um we also invite external technology partners to present to our technology procurement people so we can all have the opportunity to understand what the latest and greatest is in the um you know in the hybrid cloud uh, environment and the one transformation environment um you know what's going on in the sort of like cell phone market etc so, so we get clients from time to time to come in and present to us as well and it mm. you know produces a sort of dynamic q a one of the things uh you probably see a lot in, in fact you are definitely involved in is growing companies growing pains yeah. uh, as companies kind of stretch and their envelope and they're going to uh, get past that um speak speak about some of the tips uh, or, or things that companies can do to kind of uh, negate or ease those pains, you know? Do you know what? I, I was speaking to um, one of the one of the founding members of a startup company two, three weeks ago, and he's going through exactly the scenario that you're talking about. Um, he's on a growth trajectory. He's um, absolutely got momentum and got the funding and, you know, he's got this challenge in terms of a growth strategy. Now, the problem is, and I said this directly to him when I spoke to him, is that when you have a growth strategy, um, clearly you are focused on that. You have a tendency to take your eye off the ball in terms of cost management and cost control. You are so focused on pursuit of the growth strategy. So those companies who are able to navigate both things at the same time are putting themselves in a position to be more successful than others. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, they'll be able to lay more solid foundations. So often is the case that you can pursue a growth strategy, how, and, and you know, alongside it, your cost base um, isn't managed effectively and it becomes a problem further down the line. So I think those companies who can manage both strands at the same time are going to put themselves in a position to be more healthy in the longer term. So what can procurement do? Procurement can, um, will do two things actually. One is support whatever their strategic sourcing requirements are to support growth. But at the same time, we can also assist them with robust cost management and cost control in order to ensure that they've got firm foundations for the future. So Andy, as we come towards the closing arc of our podcast and our time together, unfortunately, I've got some really nice soft questions to kind of ask you. Um, what advice would you give to, you know, from your perspective, where you sit and what you've seen to, to kind of aspiring uh, tech leaders or just leaders in general? Right. Okay. So the first thing that comes to mind for me is this message. And the message would be that te technology procurement SMEs and technology SMEs can work together and get great outcomes. Um, what, what I mean by that is that um, I've, I've experienced that technology SMEs have a tendency 
to be able to identify solutions. You know, but you can get to the same outcomes more effectively if you combine technology SME resource alongside technology procurement SME resource mm-hmm. and leverage each other's experience and expertise. And that combination will deliver the most effective outcomes. That's probably um, the best bit of advice I can offer to um, CIOs, CTOs. Yeah. Brilliant. I love it. And any books that that you've read, any talks that you've heard or just kind of general things that you've come across that that have happened in your journey that you think would be good to share here? Yes. Um, there are three things that come to mind for me. Two of them are books. One of them is a poem, actually. Um, oh. Yeah, I know. Wow. <laughs> um, Never had a so, poem before. <laughs> so um, let, me, let me shout out the books, first of all. One thing that I'd recommend is a book called um, Don't Fire Them, Fire Them Up. And this is a book by a gentleman called Frank Pesetta. Wow. It's, a book, it's a book that I read when I was in a sales role. And it was about managing teams. Um, the clues in the title, don't fire them, fire them up, right? So um, I found this a really interesting read. And the value that it provided to me was to support my own management of teams. It doesn't matter that this particular book is written about sales teams. Um, the generic reference here is management of teams. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one book that I'd shout out. Right. Um, don't fire them, fire them up by Frank Pesetta. Um, the other book recommendation that I would make is um, The Trusted Advisor by David Meister, um, M-A-I-S-T-E-R. Um, so The Trusted Advisor is a book that's probably closer to the role that I have today. It's about um, consulting skills. It's about um, relationships. It's about communication. It's about s- stakeholder interaction style. For me, I read it and um, really thought it was a good read and have made recommendations to more junior folks in the team for them to download um, from Amazon or, or, you know, for them to do the same thing. Sure. Um, you asked about book recommendations. I said I've got a poem example. The, yeah. poem, the poem that always resonates to me in a procurement environment is If by uh, Rudyard Kipling. So this is one over a period of time that I've grown to um, really like. I think you you can find a lot of inspiration from this poem. So perhaps in some darker days in a procurement uh, project, there are certain things in that poem which will uh, help you through a day or give you some inspiration. And even even in the opening even the opening line that um, if you can keep your head while others around you are losing theirs, this is great advice, right? So um, I think that's the third thing that I'd probably promote oh, um, okay. in terms of. If this is the first poem, then maybe there'll be some more. I don't know. So so for the audience, I had no idea you were going to mention that poem. I think it's great that you've kind of mentioned a poem. It's the first poem that we've had as a recommendation on CTO Confessions. And it's my favourite poem. Brilliant. And I'm going to pretend to be a tech genie for a second, OK? And I'm yeah. going to offer a wish in the, from the text for your tech space, for your work. What would you wish for? Gosh, um, what would I wish for? I, you know what? That's... You know, I um, I used to watch Star Trek, not so much these days. And um, anything that can get me to a client's premises faster is probably <laughs> yes. what I would wish for. Um, yes. I've, you know, I'm a consultant and spent many 
many hours in airports, many hours on trains, delayed uh, train stations. Um, yes. I think tech tech genie. Um, I'm not quite sure how far away it is in terms of yeah. matter transportation, but um, that's certainly one thing that I'd uh, like to see in the future. I've got it. I'm working on it in the workshop. So we'll see <laughs> if you can get that one out. <laughs> yeah. Excellent, Andy. So as we come to the full stop of the podcast, is there a key takeaway that you'd like to leave the tech ladies and men out there leading projects? Yes. Um, it's something that I've spoken about on during the podcast, actually. I'd like to finish off by mentioning it one final time. In terms of a gift, it's more, more of a recommendation. Um, I mentioned earlier what I called an opportunity assessment. And in this space, it's a technology opportunity assessment. It's such a simple thing to do. It's a simple process. But the benefits of doing it are absolutely significant. Um, so, yeah, in terms of uh, a gift to the tech team, tech teams out there, I would uh, promote that and ask them to think carefully about it because I think um, they would get great benefit from it. Brilliant. Thank you for your time, Andy. It's been great having you on CTO Confessions. Thank you so much. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you. Wow. So what were your key takeaways from the podcast? I enjoyed seeing under the cover of a world that I don't pay too much attention to, procurement. And now I see the benefit of getting procurement right, the art of procurement. The cost of getting it wrong or not backed by expertise can be costly. It's a huge risk to be mitigated. And the mitigation come in the form of technical procurement specialists like Andrew. So here were my key takeaways. Number one, a successful procurement project will deliver value over time. It's not about short-term gain. It has to deliver value and ideally keep delivering value. My second key takeaway is that agility applies to the procurement world as well. Agility is everywhere. I.e. as new information emerges, new decisions and directions need to be taken. So it's absolutely imperative that in the procurement world, information needs to be provided so that our specialists and the procurement teams can make the right decisions. I guess this kind of speaks to the transparency within organisations again. My third and final key takeaway was what Andrew said about his role as a leader. A wise reflection for us all. Be approachable, encourage questions and hold the position of leadership lightly with a light touch. And oh yes, and as part of that excellent leadership that you'll be practising, unlock your partners. They are a potential goldmine of information and innovation. Create strong relationships here to build great collaborations. So thank you for your time, Andrew. I love how you love your job. May the procurement force stay strong in you, sir. Thank you very much for your time. And finally, remember to subscribe to CTO Confessions podcast and IT Labs newsletter, where you get regular tech articles and invites to the IT Labs webinar series. URLs for this can be found at the bottom of this page. We are consistently creating material to create, nurture and support a community of tech leaders. And of course, if you want to know more about IT Labs services, including our Teams as a Service service, please don't hesitate to get in touch. As mentioned in the intro, please think of us like Tech Leaders' favourite off-the-shelf service, providing agility, high-performing teams off that shelf with a wide breadth of skill and knowledge. Well, that's all, folks. Look after each other and keep safe. Wishing you all a good day or evening, wherever you are in the world, from all of us here at IT Labs. Live long, live well and prosper. Until we meet again on the next CTO Confessions podcast.